Hey there folks, how does £10 worth of free beer sound? All you need to do to claim it is head on over to honestbrew.co.uk and use the promo code CANDELLA at checkout. Honest Brew are the official sponsor of this episode, helping us to continue bringing the show to you for free. They have a range of over 300 IPAs, pale ales, lagers and more, and let you curate your own selection which are then boxed and dispatched straight to your doorstep. They're a great shout for Christmas presents because who doesn't like receiving tasty beers? So head on over to honestbrew.co.uk and use that promo code CANDELLA to let them know that we sent you. All right, on with the show. Hello, welcome to Candela. I'm Christopher Hooten. I'm joined as ever by Alan Schaller. Hello, Al. Hello. Well, today we kind of wanted to talk about the future of storytelling, even though I hate that word storytelling, but I don't really know how else you describe it. I also hate that word. <laughs> no, I don't hate that word. I just, I, I, I don't hate it as long as it's applied in the correct manner. <laughs> like I suppose something it's, that actually yeah. is telling a story. I suppose it could also could be the future of art, but that sounds even more grandiose somehow. So that's why I didn't go with that. Oh my God. Yeah. What got me thinking was that we often talk, when we talk about the arts, we talk about painting, books, music, film, TV, photography, as if they're all like kind of just one big group that there's always been. But obviously the, particularly the, the art forms that we focus on in this podcast are so, so new. And I think if anything, the everything that's been going on this year has made me kind of appreciate more what a, a blip in history this is, just a very small moment. Um, and growing up, it's easy to just think as though films are just always there and they always will be. And they're, they're just the th- one of the main things that people are, are interested in. But actually, it's a very, very short history. Where is, you know, books and plays and painting go back thousands of years so it's, yeah. it's, it's strange that we we kind of lump them all in together so I, I got just basically it just got me thinking about how kind of transient everything is and where our attention goes and how that's going to change as we move into this new decade where a lot of stuff is changing mm. I thought it would be interesting to explore where where we're headed artistically i think i think it, it's an interesting point to note that um human beings have kind of tried to tell stories since essentially humans have been around at all. Mm. And there's evidence of it, you know, from like cave paintings through, you know, there's, it's, it's quite an amazing thing how people, even just like sharing anecdotes, you know, all the time, which people do is there, there's definitely an, something in people, isn't there, that we just love hearing stories and telling stories. Yeah, like it's not, you know, the survival instinct makes sense. The the If you're living in a, you're a cave person to go out and get food, that makes sense. The doc- documenting your life and what happened doesn't yeah. really make sense in a kind of um, Darwinian way. But and yet, like you say, we always have, we've always documented our experiences and wanted them to be in place and tell stories to other generations. And to be remembered mm. <laughs> and recognised. But also, um, yeah, I... I it seems like it's linked to technology and obviously with technology being in the state it's in now, which is so advanced, we use that to make it even more grandiose and, and so forth. And mm. and now we've ended up with things like Avengers Endgame, which is just completely technical wizardry. But, you know, it, it's it's quite interesting how we've gone from cave paintings to that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was always seeking to elevate it or escalate it isn't it and just make it more and more intense more and more and more which is a reflection of human nature in itself isn't it yeah i suppose but but i'm not sure if if the stories have gotten any better than they used to be (laughs) i think it's it's just how we make them is so different and and yeah it's always 
people are always looking for the next thing as well, aren't they? New new way. I mean, things like VFX weren't possible even, you know, so some of the DOPs we're speaking to, you know, like the production of Fight Club, that was like massively experimental. Uh, yeah. and, and that stuff was just coming in. And hopefully most people will remember that coming out. And that, that wasn't so long ago. Yeah. So, and how, how much has changed and how much that has, you know, opened up creativity and a whole new dimension, a whole new industry. Yeah. I remember seeing some graph about like technological innovations. And if you pl plot it on a curve, like the, 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 the rate at which it's advancing now is just absolutely unprecedented compared to the rest of human history. And that, obviously mm. that's on the kind of process side of things, just in terms of like demand and where people's interests are, I think is really interesting. Like if we start with photography, I mean, obviously the fact mostly that I know you is kind of, I've ended up obviously ph photography, as we discussed is tied in with film, my main area of interest anyway, but just through knowing you, I've, you know, ended up almost by osmosis taking more on. But if it wasn't for that, if we lived in a world where the internet wasn't a thing, I'm not sure how much my path would ever really cross with photography. Like when people were deciding to be photographers in the eighties or nineties, you know, doing what you're doing, it was so niche, wasn't it? Like I, mm. if I'd have been this age, then I'm not sure I would have been able to name more than about like two photographers tops. Whereas now yeah, it's yeah. like such a, you know, a ubiquitous thing that's kind of all around us. And that's just happened like in a really short space of years. But also, not only that, it's it's also that uh, anyone can now make a film. You know, I'm not talking about a, a proper high budget thing, but anyone can take their iPhone or their or phone of their choice and mm. um, and go out there and shoot something and stitch it together in iMovie and make something. You know, it's it's the same with the music industry. Like when I got into the music industry, um, it was at a time when producers started using logic and programs like that on their laptops and all of a sudden could create music at home rather than having to rent out expensive studios which made it you know i can almost guarantee that there are hundreds of times more people during that time during that era would have considered being a producer because of that fact alone mm. do you think that, that our fascination with technology is kind of detracting from the actual proper story part of of, of a production because I, I think it I think it really seems to be in 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 many cases that the script writing in the films hasn't necessarily married up with the kind of capabilities of the VFX teams so I well get... and it's, it's it's almost like they either put their budget into VFX or into you know like I was watching uh, as good as it gets mm. you know that Jack Nicholson film yeah and that's just such a great story. It and, is, yeah. And and it's zero, you know, shot in a restaurant and a flat, basically. Yeah. And and, and it's just so awesome to watch. And I get way more, you know, that's impacted me more as a film than, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I think back back when you couldn't sweat the gear because it just wasn't really increasing in iterations at such a rapid pace there definitely was something to be said for that i guess it's almost it speaks to our sort of anxiety as a as a as a race of people really that you know we we kind of we're all worried about whether the, whether our things are good enough so we immediately kind of gravitate to what is the latest hot shit you know the newest piece of equipment that we think is gonna uh propel us to that next next level yeah. um but i know it, it's uh, i'm so over with that 
way of thinking now of of uh, like I'll get a new phone when my one breaks and mm. I'm very happy and it's also incremental anyway <laughs> yeah it? yeah so I mean so you know photography is having this real moment more so than any other point in photography's history like easily in terms of other impressive storytelling like this is just personal to me but I feel like music is in this weird moment of sort of semi-decline partly because of business reasons because out of you know devaluation is a whole other topic that we should probably talk about sometime of generally most art forms but in music now it's like well okay so if you can't make money from selling records the only way you can really make money is from touring and like touring doesn't unlock until you are doing very well as a band yeah Yeah. so it's it's a really it's really hard to recommend someone to go into music isn't it at this point yeah and i doubt ed sheeran's had many tours this year Mm, yeah <laughs> so it's 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 that there are so many hoops for musicians to jump through that are just it's just ridiculous it's too much with with music i feel like the the oversaturation the kind of avalanche of content i feel massively as well obviously not so much with photography because you can have lots of photography because it takes such a short amount of time to look at but this my you know and music's been a huge part of my life as well you know i played in bands i worked as a music critic a lot of the time but lately i just there's so much out there it makes me want to disengage i just sort of i can open up spotify and see about a million new albums recommended to me that have been tailored to my that i've been told the algorithms told me it's gonna be my taste and it makes me just want to be like i I can't do it like i think back in back in the day when it wasn't in a mixtape culture of, you know, constantly putting out music all the time. And it was more like, and you only had, you know, you had limited, you had your 15, well, it wasn't 15 pounds then or dollars, was it? It would have been, I don't know how much an album was when we were growing up, but like you had, I remember when I was a kid, I would go on holiday to, you know, with my family, we'd be down in the South of France or whatever. And I knew that I was like, I'm going to bring my CD Walkman and I'm going to listen to, I'm going to, I should buy three albums because that's how much I can afford, you know, with my pocket money or whatever. And that's what I'm going to listen to. And I just, I just took that and for two solid weeks, I would just listen to three albums back to back. Mm. And I, I, I used to listen to like one album sometimes. Yeah. Just, yeah. Same. Just, just, yeah. And, and I kind of still do, but I think, I think that this phenomenon of, of Spotify and even, and Netflix to some degree of just being overwhelmed by choice uh, mm. is, is because of that accessibility that's never been there before. Um, you know, anyone can get on iTunes now. You know, I, I could literally get a microphone and just like make elephant noises into it, a nonsensical <laughs> thing, and then just upload it. And then there it is, it's up there. And, you know, there's no quality control, there's no vetting, there's no, so, and it's hard to tell what what's really great and, and serious, you know, something that's had some real work put into it and what, what hasn't. And yeah. I think I think that the music as an industry is declining because of the fact that people want it for free. Uh, people experience music either for free or for very cheap, and mm-hmm. that means that people's regard for it is uh, has for, for musicians themselves. I think has gone downhill, unfortunately. And um, you know, I, I've had chats with people about this before, in, in the sense of you wouldn't, you'd feel a pang of fear perhaps stealing a photograph and using it for your business you know Mm. like like downloading a photograph from a photographer and using but people will happily just stream songs yeah uh you know just like people almost expect it and i don't think people expect that with film or or with um photography 
for example, and you certainly wouldn't go and steal a picture, painting. Mm. <laughs> you wouldn't just yeah. take a think, painting out of a gallery, would you? No. Um, I think so you're right it, that the, yeah. Music is like traditionally recorded big label albums are probably the most expensive process there is after making a film. Mm. It's so expensive to, to have that studio and to have that time and the engineers and the mixing and the mastering and all the songwriting, you know, and then and then people are just like, nah, want it free. And then they listen to it on like really terrible earbuds, which is another problem. Yeah, but, <laughs> but also not with music because because it is so easy now, like the, the weekend, like the first three mixtapes he made, I still think sound and like are some of his best work. And that was still mostly done in his bedroom. And when, you know, you see people, sometimes you're sitting next to someone on like a, a flight and they're like there with <laughs> like garage band or logic or something over and they're writing a song like in their little, you know, in 31 F in the, in the row. And I guess when you, it does, when it's not such a difficult process, it does kind of devalue it a little bit. And yeah, it just, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when someone puts out a song now, it's like, uh, listen to my new song. It's like, just, it feels like it's not a big deal in a way that it would have been a long time ago. Um, yeah. But I, I don't, uh, I don't really know yeah. where that's, where that's headed, like where the hell like that industry is going to go, but. No, uh, but it, you know, th th there are obviously some amazing success stories from, from this new model. And yeah. I think, I, I think that whatever happens, people, some people adapt or, 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 don't have any experience of how it used to be, like i.e. young people. So they just just run with it and just do the core thing, which is essentially and it's that word again, that's you know, telling some sort of story through yeah. producing something. And like Avicii, that uh I think Swedish uh DJ he, who he the one that died. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. sadly died. He was he had a history of depression, I think. Um mm. but he I remember he just like wrote an album from his bedroom when he was 17 with a laptop and a synth, a, like just a plug-in USB synth and mm -hmm. just absolutely killed it and ended up, you know, becoming one of the biggest dance pop artists in the world uh, very quickly. And he won loads of awards and he toured and he was, that still didn't save him from being unhappy, unfortunately. But I remember seeing that and just thinking, and also I think... You know, he didn't release it in a traditional way either. It was all done through SoundCloud and, and things like this. And it was just a whole... I remember just seeing it and thinking, geez, this is a complete role reversal. Um, and, and I suppose it's the same with, with what Instagram's done. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I started photography a few years ago, and there's no way in hell that I would have, in that time, had it been like in the 70s, had my work known in like the States, for example, or... Australia and it's down to this it's entirely down to the new media yeah it's funny well it's funny how photographers from back in the day are usually very anti this in the same way that in 40 years whatever it is will be anti that <laughs> mm. possibly yeah don't you think is it's kind of there's kind of a sink or swim aspect to it now you know people talk about the k-shaped recovery from the pandemic i.e you know yeah. that for half people not half people but you know a certain section of people were just going to keep getting more rich because they were able to weather it and an another section of people were going to have a real hard time i kind of feel like this moment is you know it's either like it goes really well for you and you become billy eilish and you overnight you have like three million followers and a handful of grammys or you kind of like per <laughs> persist 
in <laughs> anonymity for like a long time. It seems like you either kind of hit this this vert ramp where you just kind of go off and, and it and it really works out for you, like the kind of SoundCloud rappers. But for every SoundCloud yeah, rapper, yeah. there's probably a rapper yeah. on SoundCloud who has three listens. So it, there is an element of that to it, which is weird now. Because I mean, I get the impression that, you know, back in the day, there were there was a more of a middle ground. Like there were some bands that when they were playing gigs to 300 people and each of those people were paying an entry and also might buy an album for like 12 quid, like you could actually eke out like a, a basic living on that. Whereas now it just seems like everything or die. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I mean, living as a freelancer in any industry is difficult. I think in, um, in, in some things, you know, like the arts, it is, it's becoming more and more and more and more of a, of a smaller circle. In, in the same way that fashions go out and come back in and go out and come back in, I, I, I feel like it's the same with photography as well. I feel like, you know, the whole high contrast thing that everyone's now doing online is mm. is a bit of a fad and it will probably go out. Uh, and it's interesting just thinking where... That, that's the thing that I try and think about a lot of the time is where to... how to do something new with photography and... And, and try and create things that and think in ways that haven't been done yet but it's obviously very difficult because it, every, at every stage where I think I'm getting somewhere you just find out that someone's done it before yeah which... and it's, it's it's so led by the platforms now as well isn't it like if if overnight Facebook Instagram Twitter TikTok wherever else decided right we're all going to introduce this new function where you make uh, a, an original song and it has to be 40 seconds in length and we're going to put it everywhere. It's going to be all over your feed. That would just overnight just lead everyone to start making 40 second songs. And this period of musical history would be a fuck ton of 40 second songs. And I guess that applies to all different formats that they just are now becoming completely led by the method of like distribution. And yeah, I know that's a very scary thought, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is. It's weird. They have a lot of like so much power, like they can shape the course of, <laughs> cultural history i know but their, their, their true power is 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 all their users feeling like they're the ones who are empowered and that yeah. they have their own and they don't that <laughs> <laughs> we don't it's all it's all just a fugazi that's the trick but, yeah. yeah that that's the trick but um i think the film industry is is one that has obviously changed hugely and well, i remember when avatar came out i, I know it's not your favorite film mm. uh largely because the plot I reckon. <laughs> Largely because um, of almost, almost every aspect. <laughs> fair enough. Um, but I remember when that came out, just thinking, ah, you know, how could it ever get better than that? You know, like in terms of graphics, I just thought that was it. And now you watch it, it looks dated. And, yeah. Um, but then I've watched some films like, it's almost like we get into this phase where the VF, where VFX is becoming like too VFX. It's almost becoming like less real than it used to be. There, there was a period where things looked kind of super realistic. And I feel like it's almost kind of degrading now a bit and getting a bit weirder. I, don't I know what you sense. mean. I think like, and then... like, like, like the Hobbit films. Yeah. I felt like they looked a bit weird. Oh um, yeah. They looked me mega weird, like very hyper real and slightly terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. It just didn't look natural. It, and also, shout out not, to that one bit they shot on GoPro that just looks really weird. Have you seen that? 
Yeah, the bit in the in the river. Yeah, I encourage anyone who hasn't seen that to go on YouTube and Google the Hobbit GoPro. And there's a, I think they they wanted to do some like POV shots right where the hobbits are like inside barrels, and obviously they couldn't yeah. like strap in. Well, they probably could have. They got the budget for it. It's for whatever so reason, weird. they didn't strap We've in never a, an, about this, an Ari I Alexa. I remember watching it and being like, "What the hell yeah. was that?" And it's just out the mid, out of nowhere. It's just yeah. like bam, GoPro. <laughs> It's, yeah, and it suddenly looks about like, you know, 720p or less, and it's just like all the colours are different. It's really odd. I don't know how it made it through, but um, that's, that's, that's derailed me now. Where was I going with this? Well, yeah, no, I think with the with the VFX thing, I think what was, there was a period probably finishing around now where it was all about it getting better and better and everyone was kind of excited, you know, because you know, there'll be a new thing will be announced and it's like, oh, and with the advances, this is going to look even more realistic than ever. And then we kind of around now hit this point where it does look, in well, apart from the weird anomalies, it does look kind of real. That it's like, well, it's almost like you've completed VFX. Like, that's it. We've done it. As yeah, a, what, as a, what, what's next? Yeah, as a species, we've made it look realistic. So now what's really the game? There's not really an excitement about seeing something realized because we've seen it realized. Um, Do you know what looks the most realistic? What? Just going outside. It's true. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's maybe where we're going a little bit. But um, what, I know, maybe. People what are going to reject yeah. it and be like, do you know what? I want to just see an old school Clint Eastwood, like good, bad, the ugly style film with nothing fancy, just a cool story. Yeah. No, no bullshit. Well, what is interesting is like, you know, the film is not the central part of the conversation now in a way it once was like in, you know, the nineties and the early two thousands film really like led it was, you know, it was about people talked about the films they'd seen and the films they're excited for in a way that they don't now and the way that they do towards TV, which I think, I think is just because you can duck out at any point. Like it, it is way longer than a film, but because you have the option of, removing yourself every like 42 minutes or, or an hour or whatever i think we talked about this once before but you know someone will say oh i can't watch that film it's three hours long like oh the irishman oh my god that's three over three hours long mm. they, they say like <laughs> halfway through binging the third series of homeland that they've been watching for like 72 hours straight yeah i don't know what's going on there's something weird going on i remember um, seeing like there was one of those like film blogs you know that has a name like screen whatever screen looper or something had made this um image of like this is how to watch the irishman as a mini series telling you where you should start, start and stop it's like for fuck's sake just watch it <laughs> <laughs> but um i don't i don't know if like is that I'm not sure that that will continue forever. I'm sure that will change again. Like that, as we spoke about before, that company Quibi made, they made the bet, which on paper made sense. We're like, uh, we should make shows that are all in portrait formats for starters. And they should all be really short because people's attention spans are fried and it'll be great. Uh, people will love it. And they didn't. So it's not like a, a no brainer that making really short content is the answer either, even though TikTok is somewhat that, but I don't know. There's almost, it's almost like there's a sweet spot where people want, they they crave something longer than 30 seconds, but they don't want to invest in two hours. It's weird. The problem is that people cre- are, are so conscious of creating things for an audience nowadays. Yeah. Rather than, rather than telling the audience what is good. They're kind of taking their lead from their audience if, rather than it being the other way around. And it's a real shame. Mm. But you know, like some of the wackiest inventions. Like I, I heard a, a guy on cars talking about car design, 
And he was saying exactly this. He was saying, you know, people now are car car companies are just making cars that they think will sell. Whereas some of the best cars of all time, like the Mini or uh, you know, like certain cars that were just revolutionary and actually really changed the way we interact, you know, we actually drove and made such a huge difference to things, um, like the Volkswagen Beetle, things like that, would, you know, they, they were created by really smart car designers, like really yeah. talented engineers who were like studied their whole lives and were like, this is what we would do. And now it's almost like they'll do a survey, like, what do you want from a car? And then people go, oh, I want this. You know, they don't yeah. know what they fucking want. Well, yeah, and we have way too that. much feedback, don't we, now? It's like people talk about things that one of the criticisms they say, they say, oh, this this film or whatever, it feels focus grouped. And what we, that's what we're doing now. We're focus grouping every part of our lives, like on a hourly, daily, hourly basis, because we're able yeah. to constantly get feedback on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very weird. And And... You know, you know when you see a film and it's just like the same thing regurgitated again and again, like like a trilogy. I know it has to be, but people just don't. I don't know why people do that. Like why, why they actually engage with it because it's just there to take your money I know, out of yeah. your wallet and yeah. put it into their wallet, and that's all it is. It's not. It's like the the first film, like like for example, The Matrix. I feel like The Matrix was. All of those films were equally interesting and different, and led on in a in an interesting way, and it was a proper trilogy, right? Yeah. Um, but I feel like there are so many films that you just think, "Why the hell?" Like Fast and the Furious. I mean, come on. Or like, um, yeah. Well, like I always think, like when they pull out really kind of like second tier superheroes, like Aquaman. You, I would like, oh, surely people aren't going to care about this guy. Like he's amphibious. <laughs> like what's going on? But then they like it still does sales, you know. I think that will eventually, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I I always have a respect for something that that has kind of commercial success on that of scale. Course, I just think yeah. I think it's not necessarily my thing, but uh, you have to learn from it. But again, even saying that, it's like learning from it so that what so that you can create something that gets you some money. Is that the point of it? And, <laughs> and then again, that that's the mentality that leads people to producing things that they think will sell. Yeah, and 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 that's the, the it's such a it's, it's happening in the music industry, it's happening in photography, it's happening all over the place. But, yeah, so well, I guess if so, if we were to like take stock of the different formats, I would sort of say photography having a great time, uh, music is sort of everywhere in a way it's never been, and yet strangely non-viable. Books is an interesting one because you know we've the the decline in book sales has been absolutely unbelievable but i actually am sort of weirdly hopeful about them because i think i really believe that audiobooks are gonna become huge because i mean podcasts obviously have absolutely taken off and that that's essentially sort of what they are in a sense and i think they're a real gateway drug to them and i think as people become more and more feel the kind of avalanche of content and the barrage of information that we receive like into our eyeballs every second i think people are going to want more and more to be like i want to spend some time with a book but i'm too i'm not ready to just sit there and read the page because i'm terrible at that like i i find it i get distracted but having an audiobook is kind of like a best of both worlds because you can take in something super long form but you can still satisfy your weird millennial urges to also be like <laughs> checking the weather or like doing the dishes or whatever um so i, I feel i feel weirdly good about books um art as, as well like i think i think it's not 
quite had the success that photography has, but I think it's on the way. Like I, 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 I think it's really cool now that like you can paint well, something. The top end is fine. <laughs> yeah, the top end is always fine. But <laughs> the top I, end is always fine. I, I'm really heartened by the fact that there are like some artists who are like doing cool, weird sketches and strange abstract paintings and finding a massive audience on on places like Instagram. I think that's really awesome, and I think that will, if anything like grow it's like if you were shit hot at tapestry at embroidery you could probably find an audience now if you like go about yeah, it the right I mean, way th th there there is there is an audience if you're like i take a great interest in anything that's done really well <laughs> i don't know why but i i will happily watch a video about the best golfer in the world not because mm. i love golf or i've never even i don't even play it you know i have no interest in playing it but i just enjoy hearing someone's experience who's like the best at something and just being like wow okay i'm sure there's something you can glean from it and yeah, yeah. I, I i i think there is an audience for for almost anything that is really 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 well done yeah like if you're great at ceramics like i would probably follow that person i like that someone can make very really interesting pots well, and potentially have 100 it was like thousand. when we were in japan when we were in on that uh oh, yeah. press trip and then we we went to this, uh, we were taken as part of the trip to this uh, incredible ceramic, uh, like pottery place. Um, yeah, the where, village is called Arita, wasn't it? And it's known as like the, right. the home of the home of porcelain. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, I think the place that we went to is one of the oldest businesses full stop in Japan. And it's been there producing porcelain for the shoguns and stuff like way back. And I bought like a tiny little uh, kaleidoscope that was <laughs> heinously expensive. But um, you understand it when you see their process. And I had never, ever thought about porcelain in my part. I was completely, like, just... Yeah, it was amazing. Just uh, just obsessed. The, the second we walked yeah. in and saw them sitting there doing it, and, and it was just like, oh, wow. Well, yeah, it was like a business, wasn't it, where it had been handed down through generations, and there was, like, a young guy who, you know, learned it from his father and his grandfather. And I, I remember that a thing I didn't realize beforehand that when you think about like Ming vases and kind of, or like Japanese uh, ceramics, you know, they're always really colorful. And this place, they're like USP was that every single thing was just plain white because the reason that those things are usually covered in colors is to, is to, to cover up the cracks essentially. So they pride the themselves mistakes. in, yeah, to the, all the mistakes. They pride themselves in not, you know, just varnishing it and that's it. And you yeah. can just tell that it's completely pure. And I was like, <laughs> God damn, that's awesome. No, no, dude, <laughs> the worst thing was that they, so I said, so why are those ones all coloured? Because they had some, and they said, oh, those were the Western tourists to buy. <laughs> oh, like, man. Oh, no. <laughs> I felt so, I thought, of course, you know, they must yeah. be like, oh, this one's way better. Oh, bloody hell, look, look at this. <laughs> oh, God, it's got a tiger on it. Amazing. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and the um, the show, the, the emperor will take home the, the pristine perfect white yeah one. like i said in the in the piece i wrote about that trip was that it just felt like an apology tour of just going around japan and feeling bad about being western because such sex yeah. of shit <laughs> compared to the yeah i know but i i mean i'm hoping that in the way that interest in vinyl and like classic watches and old cars how that you know how how the digital life is being more and more you know, it's just overwhelming us, you know, whether you're at a petrol pump and you no longer have to talk to someone, you do it all digitally or, you know, just the fact that we use our phones or laptops all the time and everything, like even uh, check-ins at, at airports, you can not speak to a human and get on a plane, mm. <laughs> essentially. Uh, I, I think that there is a, probably going to be some sort of a, 
urge to do things like, you know, pottery make, you know, that kind of yeah, old school. I, I think you're right. Like, yeah, I like massively sort of fetishize like working with wood, you know, and, and, and things like that. Just wanting to like, oh, I want to make a table out of a pallet or whatever. And I think there's going to be a, it's, it, it's such a cliche, but it's such a, of, of like a, of like a modern man who's just been. We're so different. Spend too much time on his phone, but in, in, yeah, in the same way, I think, yeah. um, yeah, that people are going to get back into things like weird French new wave films because they're going to be so sick of like looking at internet era content. So that is a mm. reason for celebration. One thing I wanted to touch on that we haven't, it was, you know, we've talked about the state of it now is like the more in terms of like the future of storytelling. It does seem like surely we're going to move to virtual reality and also video games being dominant right like it's it's so weird to me that they're not talked about like everyone just forgets that the gaming industry is way bigger than the hollywood industry by some order of magnitude mm. yeah i i think the late the last call of duty game i don't i can't remember what the exact figure is but the sales in the first week eclipsed any film yeah um and and their budgets are way smaller films they're, they're clever they're clever clever people yeah i thought it was really telling when red dead redemption came out the new york times their review the headline was red dead redemption 2 is art and they were obviously trying to make a point of saying that you know it has games have the reputation of being fun but often kind of you know a bit teenage boy and the dialogue's often terrible and the voice acting and dubbing's bad and this was like a moment where and they they were saying like can this, i offer you a side quest <laughs> exactly yeah yeah whereas uh, i used to be an adventurer like you then i took an arrow to, <laughs> the, an knee. Arrow to the knee <laughs> <laughs> but like with in in red dead they you know in, in the new york times review they were saying you know this this belongs in the same bracket as like the sopranos or something and I, I thought it was interesting and i don't even think that's probably quite true but it does seem like it's getting to a place where people are going to start telling interesting narratives on in in video games and then in and then in virtual spaces but the only the only difference is is like when you're in, if you're in a, in a virtual reality sandbox thing, or you're in a video game, you're in control. And look, I guess when we're talking about storytelling, like to tell a story, it's a, it implies there's an author there who has created and thought up something. And if it's a book, if it's a novel, or if it's a film, they're dropping you inside it and being like, this is how I envisage this story, this world, make of it what you will. Whereas in a video game by putting the user in control it's not really the same experience do you know what i mean it's like it feels like mm. something different a whole different kettle of fish yeah of course and it's i think that's why they're so addictive and why people love them so much and mm. if you could uh well have you seen the film uh red ready player one is it or yeah have you seen that i have yeah yeah where where it's horribly i really hope the world doesn't go that way but where the world is so horribly destroyed by man and like polluted and destroyed you know that the remaining people on earth have nothing really to live for so there was a computer game created for them to kind of escape into and have the life that they want yeah <laughs> I'm, a, I'm actually i'm writing a script at the moment that's a little bit like ready player one but not quite as heavy dystopian so it's like it's not that the world's in ruins, but it's the, and I think this is very likely, but like the majority of people, like about 60% of the population of the earth have just decided to sort of 
spend most of their time, not even all of their time, just most of their time in, in virtual reality, you know, so they kind of wake up, might have some cereal and then they'll be in it for pretty much the full day and then go to bed at the end to the point, but it's still, that still has, you know, huge effects and, and it all, all feels a bit COVID-y in the world because no one's really out and about, everyone's just plugged in. And instead, all you've, all you've really got is this kind of underclass of people who just go around fixing people's VR machines. And I'm like, I think there's a very, very high possibility that that's how the world's going to end up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you heard it here first, folks. Don't, don't you think that? I mean, you know, you think how much time we all spend on our phones and like we get even get, you know, these weekly reports telling you how much time. And it's a fuck lot of time. And and that's that's from a phone being alluring. But if you've actually got a fully fledged virtual experience, that's going to be way more appealing and it's going to. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've said this before. Um, you know, it's like one of them stoner things to say, like, <laughs> hey, man, like. If you could, like, what would you rather do, right? Have, like, your own life... Oh, I'll stop the accent. Would you have your own life as it is now or live a virtual life where you could choose to have the exact same life as you're living now, but you could just do whatever you want. You can be as wealthy as you want. You can go anywhere you want. You can control everything and everyone around you, but you know it's not real. It's quite an interesting thing. I'm oh yeah, sure. I've I've, oh, I've always been I've always been Team Matrix. You know, like that scene in the Matrix with Cypher when he's in the restaurant and he's like, "I know yeah, this like, isn't a real steak, but goddamn, it tastes delicious." <laughs> I I choose the Matrix. That's always been me. I'm like, I, I don't give a shit if it's great in there. I'm plug me in, baby. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm it's better than sitting on the um, on the what's it called the Argo? What's his ship called? Oh, the Nebuchadnezzar. The Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> yeah, so just eat, on the, eating gruel yeah, and wearing eat, like fatally Jedi clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like All Saints. It does. <laughs> they all look like All Saints Autumn Winter 2020. Yeah, like um, a Yeezy line. <laughs> but those, I, yeah, those, I, those formats are so powerful. And I do think there is a, a version where it's like, oh, you've got a photograph, cool. Or, oh, you've got a film, great. I've got a like, I could go and be inside this insane world yeah yeah it's like you went out and photographed some guy standing on a bridge yeah. i just flew a dragon yeah to Mars. yeah so i'm gonna miss um, your photo exhibit because i've actually got to just go and do a luge like on yeah i've gone back in time to uh <laughs> to, the, to the big bag i'm just watching it it's really beautiful <laughs> I know, and and if that happens, that that's what it will take. To put the camera on the shelf. We'll be like, that's <laughs> it. I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> but hey, I, I mean, at least us and everyone listening to this podcast probably has enough enough time before we reach the singularity to probably eke out being able to enjoy and slash potentially make a living in in these rudimentary formats that we use we like the cavemen with with rubbing sticks together that's that's our our, our our cultural thing right now but god damn it we like it and we will keep enjoying it for as long as it's viable <laughs> well said well said yeah <laughs> no i do believe we're 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 a we're a sweet spot in a way that in that we're we're just straddling these two eras of like the, I, analog, I the analog and the ultra I, digital which is not going to be a fun place to be i don't think this is not gonna sound this is not a nice way to end this but i i I think we're we're actually in one of the like least just such an awful time (laughs) i know yeah yeah i I totally i'm with you on that and i know we we spoke about the other day about how it's sort of weirdly a shitty time but i just (laughs) it's so so bleak but i mean i think it could get 
a lot more messed up in terms of where we're where we're headed as we become like more ingrained in like machinery essentially um it's not even because of coronavirus it's just because no yeah i just yeah i I suppose it's like you said just wanting to make a table out of a pallet and go Mm. back it's like i i i kind of wish that i'd never had to do all this online stuff and i could just you know go do my photos and hand it in at a desk (laughs) and, Mm. and yeah, I, I I know this. I know a girl who's um a luthier. Uh, she makes violins and she lives in just outside Salt Lake City. And she was uh, post photos and it's just she makes like you know because it's quite an involved process. So she just makes like one violin a month, and the, yeah. she just and she's like sculpting the scroll and like you know using the plane and then making it and then it's done and then she you know passes it on to be sold and then makes a new one. I'm like, God damn, that's a that's a nice process. That is a nice life. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm sitting here saying, oh, God, you know, life's a, it's fine. But it, it's and I, of course, I could change my life and just go and, I don't know, dive for crustacea somewhere in Greece for the rest of my life as a living <laughs> and sell it on the beach. I don't know. Just do something. <laughs> look um, out uh, for if you're ever in uh, like Mykonos or whatever, look out for the Candela yeah. crustacean shack. We have the best <laughs> sea snails in all of the Mediterranean. <laughs> um but and and, well another final thought for which i should probably like rip a bong beforehand or something is that i do hope that like the future of storytelling isn't in people's actual lives because it does there is a truman show element at the moment isn't there where like i think the the appeal with a lot of like vloggers so far as i can tell is not because they're doing anything particularly interesting or imparting some sage wisdom but people just become invested in their life and they get these daily videos where they see what the person's been up to and it feels yeah. very very truman show isn't it it's just like almost like well, similar massively. to kind of a bit like watching but, big but, brother in a way it's just like seeing people exist you you end up enjoying the story of their life which is fucking weird i mean if 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 the truman show wasn't weird enough we people now do that voluntarily yeah and can you imagine telling that to the writers back then being like, one day it's not going to be like this. It's literally everyone's going to be doing this and thinking that everyone cares, but no one does. Yeah. Everyone's going to be like Truman, <laughs> except they actually already know the artifice and they just choose to <laughs> live in the- anyway. It's, it's extraordinary. It is it is so extraordinary what's going on. And I just, anyway, that's, let, let's end it there. Before, before we bum ourselves more. out any further, yeah, let's end it there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? The Candela Crustacean Shack. I, I'm, let's put I'm not, that on I, our list. As soon as you said it, I was like, it sounds a pretty appealing way to <laughs> retire. I, I can see it. I, we could podcast out of the uh, out of the hut. It's got alliteration um, in the name. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. Just wear Hawaiian shirts. It'll be fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, until next time. Until next time. Mr. Hooten. Take it easy.